0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 318. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rigstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Eh, it's going pretty well. Can't complain. I have no complaints to speak but, of other than the uh, horrible things that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. It just keeps getting worse. It does. It does. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Sure Although I did, I did love the video of the... The egg, the egging, the egging. <laughs> that happened. That was great. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Jan Gonzalez's Knife Plus Heart. We'll also be taking a look at some we we'll watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can help support Film Pulse on Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month. It will help us out a lot and enable us to keep bringing you the show ad-free Say by the 90s, we are recording the March episode today, so that will be up very soon. I don't have an exact release date just yet. I want to make sure that we get the show in the can, make sure that it's all edited properly. It takes me a long time to edit those before I give a, an announcement, but follow us on Twitter at '90s Pod and uh, keep up to date on that. I'll give you a little hint, for listeners of this show. We're doing high school movies. Yes, there were there were a plethora of high school movies released in March of nineteen ninety nine, and that's the year we'll be covering. Is that when it peaked? It was a it was a good month. It was a good month for high school slash teen movies. Uh, a couple of them are a little bit of a stretch. Actually, just Really, one of them is is kind of a stretch, but Knife Plus Heart. As I said, this is directed by Jan Gonzalez. I have a synopsis here. Paris, summer, 1979, and is producer of Gay Porn at Discount. When Lois, her editor and companion, leaves her, she attempts to reclaim her by turning a film more ambitious with the flamboyant Archibald. Not a great synopsis. No, no, I mean, it's not, it's not too far off, but no, it's, it's accurate. I mean, those things are true
1: for the most part. It just, I I mean, that's like one, one side of it.
0: Right. It's one, one small aspect of this movie. I don't know if it's small, but it's only, it's not the main thing, right? Yeah. Which is, it is odd that it's leaving out the main thing. There's a serial killer on the loose, and that's pretty yeah. much the main thing I just have a feeling
1: movie. that if you went into this movie based off of that synopsis, I think you would be pretty surprised. You given, would be. Given what it's actually about, where it's this giallo homage with a serial
0: killer using a black dildo switchblade. Now, I have a question about what you just said. You said it's a gi- giallo homage. And I agree with you. I'm not saying you're incorrect, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about this. Like what makes it a, an homage and not just a giallo? Um you know like, like couldn't couldn't the genre still exist? Does it does it, or does it have to exist in the specific like capsule that it was That's a good formed question. formed and popularized? Cuz was that's, I was yeah. Or or, or, would, or would we or, or would it behoove us to say like modern giallo or something but even yeah. that is a, even that is a little bit misleading since the movie takes place in 1979 and the way that it's shot makes it look of the time i don't know it's it's just a, it's something that i was thinking about recently
1: i hear you you can make a good point i pretty much just said homage because it popped into my head
0: and it is a, an homage. You're not you're not wrong. I mean, certainly it is drawing inspiration from Giallo films from the seventies in a lot of ways. Uh anyway, I have a review for this up on the site right now. So Kevin, what did you think of Knife Plus Heart? I think overall it was a bit it was a bit up and down
1: for me. It was a bit too drawn out but i think that there's a certain section essentially for me when Anne goes to the theater to watch her film homicidal i think everything from that point on is like a like a solid 10 but everything leading up to that was a bit it was a bit uneven for me
0: yeah i completely agree with you i thought that it was a little bit too drawn out especially in like the second act, it just, it, it, it's a little, it's a little dry. It slows down. The pacing slows down, but certainly it picks up, especially when the identity of the killer is revealed and the, the motivations of the killer are revealed and how, how everything sort of just coalesces. So like just to step back a little bit and she, she does go through this breakup, but on top of that, there is someone out there who starts killing all of her performers, all of the actors that she has in her little troupe of uh, a gay porn, her, her little production company. And I, I thought it was really interesting The when it was revealed who the killer was and why this killer was doing this. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was a because it's sort of it sort of ties into these these themes of uh, love and loss and trying to cope with the loss of a loved one much in the same way that Anne is trying to deal with her breakup with Lois and she just can't she just can't do it she can't cope with it she can't handle it. Yeah, and, and it and she just and it,
1: keeps making it worse.
0: Yeah, and it it causes her to become irrational, much like the the killer, who also suffers a loss and becomes wildly irrational because of his love. I think the 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 thing that it suffers from is it felt
1: like there was too many separate films going on. So you had like the the Anne and Lewis that's a little it's a little sliver of a film that's happening you have them trying to make their movie which is a little sliver of a film and then the 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 serial killer aspect of it is its own little film and all these things are <clears throat> these little bits that it's trying to like shuffle and give equal time to and develop like at the same rate up until the end and it just It just felt a bit uneven because of that, because it was trying to do a bit too much
0: Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. There's also this little sort of side plot with this new actor that she finds. I I love how she discovers this dude. They're just driving and she's just like pull over and somehow she sees this guy way he's like a construction worker or something and she sees him like way back in this construction yard and she finds him and he happens to look like this other actor who she worked with before yeah so you have
1: that too and then you have the like the flashback stuff and Mm -hmm. when they find the there's the whole side plot of when they find the feather they get the clue the one clue that they have Mm-hmm. serial killer and then that goes all kind of awful on like its own little sidebar and because it, you know the film completely changes and she's out in the countryside which i i did i did like
0: that little bit of like throwing this like legend folklore in there many of these giallo films end up having the the lead become an amateur sleuth and that's one thing I like so a lot about the the genre, and that that certainly happens here. If you're into Giallo movies, all of the major tropes are in this. You have the black gloved killer who isn't identified till the end. You have a lot of mm, g- graphics, uh, violence. You have sex in there, not not overly graphic sex. They, I thought that they were pretty toned down with the amount of, of sex. One of the things that really sets this apart is that it is uh, very centered on the gay scene of Paris in the late 70s. And with a lot of Giallo movies, I feel like a lot of times whenever you have themes of homosexuality, often they're not... Portrayed in the best light. And I feel like this is sort of the antithesis of that.
1: Yeah. And it's really them like creating their own, their own space. And then he kind of threatens that at the end and it's handled with, and I got to say when day, the movie that she's making when she, she finally switches it to the, to the homicidal and you get you know you get the little scenes here and there of them filming this thing oh my god the camp in that movie it was just yeah it was it's pretty
0: great. i was just going to say that i think it's interesting how the the movie that they're making is it reflects what they're going through and i thought that uh it was it was pretty fun I, I, I enjoyed all of those scenes if it, it should be noted this is there is a fair amount of camp in this movie from the i mean especially because the the killer uses a switchblade dildo as his murder weapon so it, it doesn't take itself too seriously although i was kind of looking for a, a little bit more camp in it i think it would have benefited from a little bit more of that kind of silliness that over the top stuff
1: yeah which i i did you know when it got to them shooting the movie that's why i was kind of the happiest because it was it was so campy and ridiculous especially (laughs) the like the interrogation scene i I
0: was just i was literally (laughs) just gonna say that police interrogation scene (laughs) was the best one
1: (laughs) and he tells him to keep typing and he just gets up and oh my goodness Uh, And then the, you know, there's that split screen of the, uh, the phone booth and calling Mm -hmm. the detective. And then just how that all escalates. And it's so ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I thought that it was a pretty, pretty effective Giallo movie. I, I, as you probably all know, I love Giallo movies. It's one of my favorite subgenres of horror movie. And, uh, I'll be I'll be talking a little bit more about giallo later in the show, but I thought that they did a really good job of it. A lot of these sort of modern giallo productions, they too often pull in all of the broad tropes of the genre without pulling in any of the nuanced uh, items that that I really like about the genre and I thought that they did a really good job in this movie of pulling in some of the more uh nuanced themes that we see in Giallo films.
1: Yeah, and it's it looks great. It does the it, yeah. great. And you got the different the different uh styles and formats, you know, like when she's she's editing the film mm-hmm. and then the film that they're actually shooting and then when they go to the the theater and the films that they're watching and then everything else that takes place outside of that
0: it just it's it's pretty great. M83 does the score and they they really they've really kind of nail that that style, that sort of style that maybe like Goblin popularized back back at then.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh, there's a lot of good aspects to this and it just, it's really finishes strong, really, really mm-hmm. strong.
0: Uh, Vanessa Paradis does a really great job in this. I thought she was quite good in her role of Anne.
1: I thought everyone was pretty good. And I was, yeah. I, yeah.
0: I, there was the one guy, right. who
1: Who is in the films and I'm like, this guy looks so familiar to me.
0: Like if he Mexican, the Mexican guy, is that who you're? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, it, Jose. And I'm like, it looks like the guy from we are the flesh.
0: Yeah. But
1: I'm like, it can't be the guy from we are the flesh.
0: (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah. I recognized, I recognized him like right away. Sure enough. It's the guy from we are the flesh. Yep. And I don't
1: know why, but the, the, the guy, what was his name? Mouth of Gold or Gold Mouth. Who had like one job. He had one job. Oh, Yeah. He has yeah. one he has one special skill. Yeah. And everyone's kinda of complaining about their wages and stuff. And Jose asked him and just to find out that like he doesn't get paid anything. He's just <laughs> having fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say this gets a light recommend from me
1: it's definitely a recommend for me and i think that's all that is on the strength of its ending like if you can just if you can get through it because like i said it's a little uneven i don't think it's terrible you know i'm not going to go as far to say that it's just it's a bit uneven because it seems like it's trying to do a bit too much it's got a, a, a lot of threads going on but man once it hits that that ending point where she goes to the theater to watch her new movie from that point on is uh, it's pretty much perfect.
0: I would agree with that. All right, uh, let's give it a score. In my review, I gave it a 6.5. Okay, which in retrospect, now that we've done this review, I feel like that's uh, that's a little low. That's a little low.
1: It is interesting because when you know, before we started recording my I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a 6.5. But again, kind of talking through it, I'm with you, where I'm like, that seems a little low. It seems a bit too low.
0: I think that it's just the pacing that really sort of put me off on it. Yeah, because it's like as
1: great as the ending is for me, does that make up for the hour and like 30 minutes that precede it? I don't know right. if it does.
0: It's still worth a look. Definitely
1: worth a look, especially if you're into Giallo. Because I, I think it's a great, I think it does a great job of that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Just of capturing it. I mean, it does a really great job.
0: So since you didn't write a review and have your, your score set in stone, as it were, what what is your score going to be?
1: I'm going to say a seven. I'm going to bump it up to a seven.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I give it that 0.5, 0.5
0: extra. Uh, Knife Plus Heart is playing in limited release right now. So give it a look. Let's talk about some of them watching on the watch list. I saw Triple Frontier. This is on Netflix. This is the one uh, that was released on Tuesday, I think. So clearly Netflix didn't really have a lot of, faith in this one usually the not not so great things get released on tuesday
1: which is odd
0: directed by J- it's, it is odd it's directed by jc chander who did uh, a most violent year which i freaking loved he did all is lost and margin call also which were pretty good this movie's pretty good too i liked it a lot more than i expected to just because it was one of these Netflix releases that didn't seem to have a lot of marketing push, didn't didn't seem like they were really happy with it, but I thought it was pretty pretty solid. It it, it has a lot of suspenseful moments. Essentially, it's about these ex-military guys who uh, decide to steal a bunch of money from a South American drug Lord and they end up stealing like $250 million at at first, but they quickly lose a lot of the money as it goes and a a lot of the movie. So it's, it starts off pretty action heavy with them, you know, breaking into this guy's house and taking him out. And it's a sort of a heist movie. It's like a military heist movie. And then, The bulk of the movie, though, is them just trying to get millions and millions of dollars out of this country, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. Like, they're just trying to deal with transporting millions of dollars safely out of the country they're in.
1: That would that would seem like a logistical nightmare.
0: I'll be honest. It it was it <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty rough going for them. Um It good good uh, good performances all around. Yeah, Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, it was a, a light watch. I think it's suited on Netflix. I think if I saw this in the theater, I'd come out a little bit disappointed. Okay, but since it's on Netflix. Why not? Just give it a look.
1: <laughs> uh, it's just going to end up being, you know, well, I think it already is. Netflix. It's kind of this bastion of mediocrity. Absolutely. <laughs> they're, just, they're just overloading us and uh, overwhelming us with mediocrity to the point that we're just going to be like, yeah, this is good stuff because I don't have to leave my house. Like It's, it's almost like a convenience fee that you don't get good quality.
0: Well, sometimes I know I feel like this, this podcast just needs to be completely <laughs> centered around Netflix because we all, we always seem to talk about Netflix every episode, but it seems like, I mean, I like that sometimes you have like B tier, like middle tier movies on Netflix. Cause sometimes mm. I just want to put on a movie and, and, not have to focus a hundred percent of my attention on it, not feel like I need to really commit to it. And I think that that's good. Like sometimes I want to put on a movie while I'm uh, working on something else and I don't want to feel bad about doing that. And I
1: think that's what they're capitalizing on because it, it, it does feel like that that's what they are where it's like, Hey, do you want to dick around on your phone for an hour and a half? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect film for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Not to say that I do that a lot because usually if I put on a movie, I I try to stay committed to that movie. I put, try to put my phone down unless I'm like taking notes on it or something. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good for that. I think there's a place for that, but I also like the fact that Netflix allows Filmmakers to have creative control over their work, and just they just give them a pile of money and say, "Do do what you want, do whatever you want." I like that aspect too. It doesn't
1: seem to be working out, though.
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their numbers are. Like, well, I
1: just mean quality wise.
0: I mean, quality wise, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quality wise <laughs> is another story. But
1: it's just it seems it seems odd that we just keep giving a bunch of money to people that just don't really seem to have ambitious or creative.
0: Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like you have pretty heavy hitters that are coming to Netflix. You have Scorsese, you have, you know, JC Chander who, you know, these, his previous movies are all like Oscar nominees, you know, (laughs)
1: Well, that was the biggest thing that I I thought was odd because I didn't know he directed this movie. Neither did I.
0: <laughs> Neither did I until his name came up in the opening credits, and I'm just like, it, like
1: to follow all is lost, which is a, you know a fairly experimental film. You know, there's like no dialogue. It's just Robert Redford out on the ocean in a boat, just trying to make it trying to survive and then the followed up with just like a movie that has the narrative that we've seen, I don't know, maybe
0: 400 times. Well, to be fair, this isn't your standard like military action movie. There's, it's a little bit, there's a little bit more going on with it than that. But I understand your, what you're saying.
1: Well, I got I have a, a a doc here from last year. I forgot to talk about this last episode, um, maybe because I was still a bit too pissed off, so I had to wait until it cooled down, cooled my jets a little bit, and I think my jets are sufficiently cool to talk about. Did you did you wonder who fired the gun? Which this was on a lot of lists last year, right? And this is kind of like essay slash documentary uh that travis wilkerson his great-grandfather back in the 40s shot and killed an unarmed black man and then just like got away with it just nothing ever happened so he decides to like investigate it and try and find out what happened so he uses a lot of um footage from to kill a mockingbird gregory peck and he kind of you know black and white and then puts some red tint in there and like cuts it up and everything does all this kind of experimental imagery type stuff going on, which it looks good. A lot of this stuff looks good, but in essentially setting this story up, he's kind of talking about how his story is different from Harper Lee's to kill a mockingbird. And at one point he just legit says that his story is radical. It's going to be You know, this is something big. So you kind of like get this built up where he's he's going to do something. But the weird thing is, is that he doesn't really spend too much time investigating what his great grandfather did. Uh, He does a lot of sidetracking throughout the South and just talking about other things, but not really diving into those either. I mean, at a certain point, you just feel like he doesn't know what he wants to do. And he doesn't really have a point to make. He's just kind of wandering around and giving us little bits of history. And of course, at numerous times he's, he's trying to say, although he never has like actual footage of these things, he's just the narrator through the whole time. So you essentially just have to believe everything that he says, which is just complete. I, I've, I saw it as bullshit because his, his voiceover is just absolutely terrible. And this. The stuff that he throws out, like at the end of the movie, towards the end, he just throws out that this private investigator that he hired found out a bunch of stuff about his great-grandfather and that, like, the police helped him. And that's it. He just dropped that little nugget and then, like, never gave us any of that information, the specifics of those, of what that guy found. Like, why would you hire a guy for four years and then not use any of it? Hmm. and then he's talking about like driving through the South and he would speed up and the car behind him would speed up and he would slow down and they would slow down and he's trying to, you know, kind of build this up. Like, you know, he's being terrorized in the South because he's looking into this where it's just like, (laughs) I call bullshit. Like (laughs) what, what do you want the guy behind you to do? He's probably just like, what the fuck is this idiot doing? (laughs) You know, like he's making it like this, about him, where it's supposed to be this, and I know I don't know if that was the point that he was trying to make, I think he inadvertently made this point where at a certain point, it's just him just kind of bragging about his privilege because there's a sequence where he finds the guy's uh the the cemetery which he's buried in. He doesn't know which grave is his, but he knows he's in there somewhere, so he's kind of filming it, and he's like, you know one family is is dead and buried. And the other family is filming this cemetery and these graves with a really expensive camera and he's getting paid to do it. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you if you acknowledged it, but you're still doing it like you're still an asshole, like you're just dicking around with this guy's death just to further your career. It was just really off-putting because it's so, like, kind of focused on him a lot of the time. And there's even even one point, like, a family member of his is part of this, like, League of the South, which they're, like, white supremacists. And he he brings it up, and he's like, I'm not going to give them a platform. And you know what he does exactly after delivering that line? Gives them a platform? A fucking video pops up. It takes up almost the whole screen, and it's the head guy of the League of the South just essentially explaining their platform and what they stand for. And it's just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, it's just, it's straight trash. It's fucking terrible.
0: It doesn't sound very good. It's interesting that this has, like, such high scores. That's why
1: I was very confused the whole time. The whole time watching it, I was just very confused. It was one of the rare experiences where I like I actually started yelling at the TV.
0: <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> All right, that's Did You Wonder Who Fired the Gun? I saw a Giallo film called Strip Nude for Your Killer. Oh. Yeah. This is directed by Andrea Bianacci. Um not great, this one so this came out in 1975 and as the seventies rolled on and the Giallo film just got, it just oversaturated the market in Italy. And the fact that a lot of these were being exported over to the United States, just like sort of perpetuated it. And they were just coming out left and right. If you look at like the Wikipedia page for Giallo films, there's hundreds, there's like hundreds that have been released throughout the sixties and into the seventies. So many. And as the seventies wore on, they, the filmmakers needed to sort of up the ante in order to have their movie be, you know, stand out among the hundreds of these types of movies that were being released. So a lot of filmmakers would either up the gore, you know, they would make them more violent, more provocative, or they would up the, the sex. And that's the case in, in this movie, strip nude for your killer. It's I would say like 75, 85% of this movie just has naked people. And for really no reason. I mean, the, 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 characters in this movie just walk around naked all the time they're just constantly naked and then there's a lot of sort of softcore sex scenes that happen for really no reason whatsoever it's very blatant and very cheap and the narrative is pretty pretty boring like it's pretty standard there's no like when you when you find out who the killer is, it's not surprising or like, oh my god. There's no big twists or anything. It just turns out that it's someone who we've never even seen before. So it's not it's it's not like it's oh it's that person, like that person's the killer and this is why. It's like oh, who is that? Like when they unmasked the killer. <laughs> I was like, okay. Who is that? It's we've never seen that person.
1: I I actually love when movies do this. (laughs) It just ends up being some person that's never been introduced
0: before. And there, there's some okay scenes in it. The performances are pretty good. This stars, uh, Edwidge, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but she, she was a really big actress in, In Italy during this time. She was in a ton of movies. A lot of. She was in several Giallo movies. Not a lot. She mostly did. Sort of the. uh, Italian sex comedies. That were really big during that time. Which most of those. Never made it. Over here to the west. But. She was in a ton. Ton of them. And she's great in it. The other the other guy his name's uh Nino Castelnuovo he is his character is this he's a photographer but he's like the most sexist misogynistic dude maybe ever i think he's trying to be the scummiest person ever the the movie opens well the movie opens with a woman dying through complications from an abortion but then the following scene is him at this like resort just following this woman around taking pictures of her like in her face like he's shoving the camera in her face taking pictures then like walking right behind her getting the camera like really close to her butt and taking pictures and then he talks to her and he's like he he convinces her he's like you could be a model you should be my model and then he takes her to a spa and has sex with her and she's just like totally on board with it the whole time (laughs) it's just movies like this do such a disservice to men and women everywhere it's it's certainly a movie that would never get made today like in this in this climate and in that regard it's kind of an interesting specimen but it's just not that fun or interesting really Mm. i I didn't really enjoy it but i'll have a review for this up by the time this this show comes out or shortly after arrow put it out they did a new 2k restoration that looks okay it's not great um and then it's interesting they have like the Italian and English versions on the disc. And then they have apparently some prints of the movie had a blue tint filter applied to the opening scene, the abortion scene. And I'm wondering if that was a censorship thing, but they include both versions of that on the disc as well.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, So anyway, not, not really can't really recommend strip nude for your killer.
1: I have one that I, I can recommend for the most part, and that's uh, Last Year's The Guilty by Gustav Moeller. This is your one, uh-huh. kind of one location, single actor uh-huh. thriller, uh-huh. Where, Uh huh. where police officer Asker is working the emergency services, taking the 911 calls, except there's their 112, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Sure. And then he kind of gets, he kind of gets pulled into this, this woman being abducted, and he just gets obsessed. And he's, you know, ten minutes, and he can go home for the day. He's done. End of his shift. He can get that rest he needs because he's got to go to court tomorrow because he shot a guy. But no, he just he can't let this thing go, and he just he gets in there, goes into that separate room, blacks it out. Sets up with the two, the two, uh, two phones, and just goes to work, and then there's some twists and turns in there, and I gotta say, overall, it, it, I thought it worked, especially the runtime is tight, the action is tight, or you know, the action that you can have, um, and I thought they did a fantastic job of what is on the other side of the phone calls, and how that plays into kind of your expectations and your anticipation of what's going to happen you know like hearing the rain or hearing the wiper blades going back and forth and the you know the the conversations on the other end i thought uh i thought it all worked out pretty pretty
0: well i was i was quite surprised i liked this too sound design is paramount to a movie like this like it is a make or break thing. And I thought that they did a really good job with that.
1: Yeah. And they, the, the twist, I mean, part of the twist really worked for me. And then like another part of that twist didn't quite work for me, but it was still somewhat surprising for me, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is good. Cause usually these types of movies, because there's not a whole lot of potential outcomes, really, if you know what I mean. Like it, it, when you have the information in front of you, it's really, really limited information and you can kind of figure it out or a, an idea of it pretty early on. Yeah. And here you can do that, but not uh, not the the totality of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: still it still kind of catches you at the end.
0: Yeah, that's the guilty. I'd recommend checking that one out too. Just as long as you know going into it that the entire movie takes place in an emergency call center. Yeah. I think, and if I th- you're
1: if you're into those types of movies, this, this is a really good one, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I found it really surprisingly suspenseful for what it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh the last one I'll mention this week is a movie called Colobos which came out in 1999. I had never heard of this before actually. It's a horror movie. Arrow released it this week and it's sort of a I don't even know what you would what you would call it. It's very 90s, we'll put it that way. It is it was a straight to DVD release directed by uh Daniel Liatowich and it involves five 20 somethings who agree to live in this house real world style and have their lives taped and when they get to the house the one of they, they realize that there's traps all throughout this house and one of them trips one of the traps and dies and after that happens the house sort of locks itself down there's these like giant steel walls that go around the house and l- trap them inside and then they realize that there's not only are there traps everywhere in this house but there's a killer that's inside the house also <laughs> so they're screwed they're, they're just so screwed it's not a great movie it's very fun in just how nineties it is like it is it's very nineties i I watched the rate or rewatched the rage carry two recently and I don't know if it's quite as nineties as the rage carry two but it's i i I think that it works better as a nineties time capsule because not only is it does it have all of the the nineties tropes, but it's like pretty bad too. Like it doesn't look great. And it's sort of, there were so many of these straight to DVD movies that came out during this time. And I think that this is maybe one of the, one of the most fun ones of the bunch. Usually those movies are just boring and forgettable, but there was some really fun stuff in this movie. It drew Maybe the reason that it's that it's that Arrow put it out is because it draws a lot of inspiration from uh Giallo films, which doesn't seem like it would work or that it would even be a thing because it's it's sort of uh in a lot of ways a a torture porn movie before torture porn was actually a thing. I mean, this came out several years before Saw was released, and there's a lot of sort of gory torture stuff in this, but there's also this like psychological horror aspect of it where the main character is, she sort of, she sort of suffers from mental illness. So she's like constantly seeing visions of things and people who aren't there. So there's this almost surreal aspect to it as well. Mm. It's very, it's, it's a weird mashup of like Argento, And, uh, like a standard nineties style slasher. I think maybe one of the reasons this wasn't, didn't really catch on. It wasn't very popular. and Most people don't know about is because during, during this time when it, when it was released, people were done with the slasher movie. Like they, they, there really weren't any slasher movies coming out. Um, a lot of the horror movies that were coming out during this time pulled back from excessive amounts of gore and you had movies like the Blair witch coming out that focused more on like supernatural yeah. type scares. It's pretty fun. I, I enjoyed it. This is uh arrow did a restoration of this as well. So this is a newly restored version from the original 35 millimeter print and it looks pretty good. I was told that see I never saw the original DVD release of this and I was told that the Arrow one looks more washed out but I can't confirm that. Hm. I thought it looked all right. I just thought that the reason it looked a little washed out was because that's how it was shot. Cuz a yeah, lot of a cool. lot of a lot of movies but <laughs> during this time look somewhat blown out. But anyway, that's that's called Colobos and that's on uh Blu-ray via Aero video right now okay let's talk about some new releases in theaters this week we got a biggie us
1: uh, um, yes you excited yes very much so i didn't really i didn't
0: realize that it was uh coming out that soon yeah i love it oh boy can't wait heard nothing but great things so far very excited to go into this yes. one We also have Triple Threat coming out. This is an action movie. Sort of a... It's got an all-star action cast here. Unfortunately, I haven't read good things about this one. But it does feature Tony Jaa, Iko Uwais, Tiger Hugh Chen, uh, Michael Jai White. um, uh, What's his name? Scott Adkins is in there. Okay. Lots of heavy hitters of the action world, but... I haven't heard very good things about the movie itself. Mm. That these these action stars are underutilized. Oh, that's not good. So, yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a disappointment. We have Hotel Mumbai coming out. That's with Dev Patel. Dragged Across Concrete. That's the new uh, S. Craig Zoller movie that I'm pretty excited for. I was a big fan of Bone Tomahawk and... Brawl and Cell Block 99. so Looking
1: like a good weekend for you. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a good weekend, I think. Hopefully. The interesting thing about this movie, Dragged Across Concrete, is that it is 158 minutes long.
1: Jeez.
0: Yeah. It's a long one.
1: That's a long drag across concrete.
0: There'd be nothing left. Nothing left of you.
1: Nope. That'd be right down to the bone.
0: Yep. Yeah, so we'll see how that is. We have Trading Paint with John Travolta. It's a racing movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know it's going to be good.
0: Oh, yeah. Ramen Shop, Out of Blue. I I always want to say, I think everybody probably always wants to say, Out of the Blue with that movie.
1: Yeah, Out of Blue just feels wrong yeah it feels like you're saying the wrong
0: title it, it's like you have to like you start to say it but then you have to like think to yourself like you have to check yourself every time you say the title because you say out of the blue and that just rolls off the tongue but out of blue yeah it's because your mind awkward. wants
1: to just it wants to correct it
0: yeah something not something not right about that relaxer coming out that's the new joel Petroicus one
1: chugging some milk.
0: Yeah, chugging chugging some milk. It's a movie about a guy on the the eve of Y2K who makes a bet with his friend that he has to beat the infamous level 256 in Pac-Man or else he can't get up off the couch.
1: Oh boy.
0: I hmm. was I was pretty excited for this movie. Mm, I don't know, excited might be a little too strong of a word. I l- I like joel petroikis's stuff i've liked his movies in the past for the most part but i gotta say like the the trailer for this just came out maybe a week ago and Mm -hmm. in the trailer there's a they show a vomiting scene and that immediately turned me off of this movie was it from chugging the milk i'm not sure what it was (laughs) like as soon as it started i looked away I think it's like a real vomiting scene. That's that's the I can deal with like fake vomiting.
1: Well, it's probably it's probably like number scene number twelve of chugging milk. I <laughs> yeah. just couldn't do it anymore and just threw that threw that shit right up.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm still gonna watch it. Well, it's your fault then. It is. Not denying <laughs> that. It's all you. And that's pretty much it for theaters, VOD. This week, we have Book of Monsters. This is on the 19th. Big Kill. Smaller and Smaller Circles coming out on VOD. And then on Friday, we have The Dirt, which is the Netflix biopic of Motley Crue based on the the book of the same name. Ooh. I mean, I might give it a look just because it's on Netflix. I don't like motley crew or anything but don't do it yeah yeah we'll see Just don't, we'll see what my don't we'll do it. see what my schedule's like wheelie uh, coming out this is a clearly a cars ripoff blatant cars ripoff so much so that i'm surprised they haven't been sued by <laughs> disney pixar not
1: yet or maybe they're maybe it's happening right now
0: it could be The papers are being drawn up as we (laughs) speak.
1: They're in court (laughs) right now.
0: And finally on VOD, out of blue, on Blu-ray this week, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse coming out on blue. Oh, hell yeah. If you haven't seen that yet, what are you waiting for? Just see it. It's coming out on 4K, too, so pick it up in 4K. If you have a 4K Blu-ray player and a 4K TV, do it. Yes. This might be the year for me, 4K. I might make the switch you, this year.
1: You're going to upgrade to the 4K? Um, I, I, I always figured that you, you had the 4K. No, I don't. You know, um, 4K setup.
0: I like my TV. It, it's, it's a good TV. It looks really good. It's several years old at this point, but I'm just not ready for the upgrade yet. Mary Poppins Returns coming out. Strip Nude for Your Killer from 1975. That's on mm-hmm. Arrow. Cleopatra Jones from 1973. Cool. I haven't seen this. I, I want to see this. Ned Kelly from 2003 coming out on Shout Factory. The Quake from last year. The Quake. The disaster movie. What is it? Uh,
1: yeah, I just I just saw a trailer for this for the first time.
0: Uh, Norwegian. It's the sequel to, what was the, the wave. the wave. Yeah, the wave. Yeah.
1: The wave was pretty good.
0: I heard the quake was good too. I believe Ken reviewed it for us.
1: It looks good.
0: It does. The effects work looks pretty, pretty solid. Might have to do a double, double bill. Cause I don't think I saw the wave. I don't remember. Uh, the final wish is coming out. It's a Looks like a gothic horror movie. I think we maybe mentioned it once before on the show. Big kills coming out. The River's Edge from 1957. On Her Shoulders, the documentary that was released last year. Eh, That's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? We have two Criterions. We got
1: uh, Edgar G. Ulmer's Detour. And then Barbara Loden's Wanda. Which... uh, Wanda has been—that's been a tough one to see for years. So that's pretty fantastic that it's getting a Criterion
0: treatment, long overdue. Very nice. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse Kevin. Please take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.